You are listening to the School of Songwriting with Adam Holmes, episode number 12. Blue-eyed women crying in the station And I wish that there was something I could do You are listening to the School of Songwriting with me, Adam Holmes. Join me as I unpack the art of songwriting and share the tips and techniques I've used to take myself from working on a building site to running a successful full-time business as a singer-songwriter and performer. Enjoy this episode and remember that you can listen to all of my music for free on Spotify and Apple Music. Everything's gonna be alright People come and people go Everything's gonna be alright Hey everyone, hope you guys are doing well. Excited to share this with you. I've got a, a real treat today. Myself and my good friend, Boo Hewardine, who's a, a wonderful and really renowned, really accomplished songwriter from the UK. We wrote a record called Dreamweaver and he jumped on a while back to have a chat with me and I'm going to share a little bit of the chat that we had. So I really hope you enjoy it. If you enjoy it and you want to Listen to the full thing, you can do that by joining my Patreon. There's full episodes on there from Kareen Polwart, Chris Drever, there's behind the scenes videos, there's new songs, there's exclusive content, there's chapters from a book that I'm writing on there. So um, if you feel interested in that, jump onto the Patreon and uh, you can unpack it. But for now, enjoy this excerpt from a chat that I had with Booth. So, so Boo, um, can you remember writing your first song? Do you have I do, I do. memory of that? I do remember it. I can. I remember wanting to write songs when I was really young, like from about seven. I remember lying on the top bunk when I was on holiday and my cousin who was on the bottom bunk ended up in a goth band called um, Flesh for Lulu. So we both, this bunk created two okay song, songwriters. And... Um, uh, uh, but I didn't piece one together until I was about 13 or 14. And I didn't learn guitar till I was nearly 19. But I can still remember the the melody of the first song. And it, and it's called, it was called Time is a Magnet. And it went, time is a magnet. And we we're all drawn to it. And, and that's the deepest thing I've ever written, really. So after then, it went downhill, you know. Yeah, do you, I mean, I always think that there's something about the sort of naivety that when we're discovering how to do something we yeah. come up with things that we'd be too self-conscious to do at a later point even though yeah. it was kind of cool yeah i sort of had that music musically that i was a, one of the very first riffs i ever made up on a guitar which is that i remember playing it over and over to my my old man sort of screaming at me for god's sake stop i've had that riff hanging about forever and it's just been you. I just I never forget anything. I don't think so anyway. And I've just used it on. Um, You're listening son, to the School a, of Songwriting with Adam Holmes, thing called Simon episode number twelve. I wrote a couple of the tunes on that, and I finally used this riff that I've had from the very first, more or less, the first day I played guitar. So I never forget anything. So I think time is a magnet might appear at some point, maybe as a sort of um, as a cry for help on a future album. <laughs> Do you, do you genuinely never forget things? I, I don't, not, not, not often, no. 
And I'm just getting to the stage wow. now. I've had, I, I, I loved working with you. I absolutely loved it. And I, I, that record is, is one of the most wonderful things I've been involved with. Um, and I, I spent a lot of lockdown working with other people on projects, but I am now going to sit down and, and try and write my new record. But I've got all these scraps and stuff from the last year, and I've just started doing that actually this morning. I was I was I was amazed. I could remember things that were just sort of like a notion from eight months ago or something. Like that. So no, I don't tend to forget things. No. And uh, what like what is the song that's sort of taken you the longest to to, to finish? And you've had something that well, one of the gone. one of the longest was a song that Eddie recorded on uh, and had it was a song called joke which was the, in my very very first band my very very first band which uh no my second band my very first band was a school band the second band was uh, which nearly got signed I, but i didn't know what that meant i, m- I remember going down to uh virgin records because they'd heard our tape and he said we want to sign you and i said oh thank you and i went home i i, th- I didn't know that you were meant to then do do stuff like contact them again but um that, that that song joke i think that was nine years from first thinking of it till it being finished and then eddie recorded it what, what was the name of that band boo sorry uh the band was called placebo thing terrible name <laughs> but it was uh but it was it was I it was funny. I lived above a venue, right? And they said, We'll let you do a gig. So we uh we did a sport gig and we got quite popular quite quickly because we had a very good drummer, I think. Uh but I was so naive that I thought every time you did a gig you had to write a new set. So for the first five or six gigs, I'd write entire new sets each time, and then people started saying, So why why won't you play that song that you played last week? I said, Oh, oh. So I was pretty naive at the beginning. I didn't really know how it worked. There's a there's a story. I, I don't know if you're a Gillian Welsh fan. Oh yes, I'm massively into her. There's a story. Um, I think it was that record. Uh, there's a record that her and Dave Rollins did that was just kind of the two of them and really nothing else. Was so that time Har- the harvest? Heroin the harvest or something? Oh yes, a wonderful record. Yeah, amazing record. But the, the story for that goes that. They had all the songs written for a long time and then it was like two weeks before it, she just was like, nah, and, and just kind of rewrote everything in that last period of time. And when you were speaking there to bring in the new stuff to the gig every week, I, I think there's definitely, there's something in a deadline, isn't there? That's, I find that... Yeah, it's, in, it's vital without a deadline. you just got an endless, endless... See of nothingness spread ahead of you. I'm. I find it really hard for myself. I'm really okay working with other people and helping with the deadlines, but um, I have a couple of people who who sort of give me lines in the sand, so I get things finished. I find it very hard to write for myself. I, I always have. That's very odd. I think I I, I, uh, I get that, and I think mm-hmm. there's something maybe about sort of. <laughs> Being, it's an uncomfortable position to sort of be, oh, I'm the guy that knows what he's talking about or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I have to have a little bit of that energy to... Also, because I've been doing it for quite a long time, I, I really don't like repeating myself, so trying to find a new sort of uh, space to write in, which sounds a bit pretentious, but that that, that takes the longest. Oh, Once I've found it, it, it can, it'll just pour out, but it's finding that... 
And so with the last record, it I was like, what am I going to do? And that was all built around a, a, an instrument called uh, a dulcitone, which is a, a little, little piano-type thing that plays tuning forks that was used for um, church services in flats in Glasgow 100 years ago. Um, between us, the people who worked together, we've got three of, three of them, but they're probably only 100 or so ever made. And I... I just I said right I'm going to write all of the songs on this unfamiliar instrument and then it, once I'd found that it came out really quick so a lot of the time it's just trying to find the space. Yeah, is there something about limitation there? Mm, always kind of useful, isn't it? Oh, always. And I think you're doing that now, aren't you, with what you're about to record? You've given yourself. Yeah, I've, uh, well, this record uh, that I'm making, I'm just starting the next record in, in a few days, and and. Uh, I've kind of got two, I mean, my house is starting to look a bit like, have you seen that film, A Beautiful Mind with all of the mm. you know, bits of paper and on the, like, I look a bit, a little bit like I don't really have anyone that loves me, but I've got two guitars that are, they've only got four or five strings on them and they're in open tunings and, and that's massively helped me actually just to, because the other thing is, I mean, standard tuning is like an amazing feat of mass, but it's very easy to just fall into kind of for me it's like c shapes all the time do you know what i mean and i think it's really helpful to you can find other sections in a song if you're totally, not totally i do most of, most of my writing these days on a piano which i'm not as adept at as guitar but i just love it as a because they, you can put your fingers anywhere <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah i i wondered Boot, if you could speak a little bit um, to the moment that a song arrives, uh, is it is that always kind of is it unique and different every time, or, or do you feel like there's a sort of particular quality or a pattern to that that kind of space that you notice? Yeah, I definitely when it comes, I feel it, and and that moment, then then there might be quite a lot of editing or a lot of TLC. Then just before we went, I went been away for. A few days just before then an idea came to me and it was just haunting me the whole time i was i was away but i knew it i know it's here now i just need to sort of ferry it into existence um and, yeah um, do you sort of have any uh thoughts on on reaccessing the moment of of inspiration at a later point do you sort of generally try and finish things at the moment that they come or yeah i try to but sometimes you can't and but it's okay for that in fact, again, there's something else that I I, I remembered, uh, and then I looked up when I made the sketch, and it was more or less exactly a year ago, and I just I was able to be be back in, back in the place right away. I really like it. It's a, it, it's um, some songs that Yvonne Lyon and I have written about. I uh, can't remember which castle it is, uh, but the, in their bookshop, the secondhand bookshop, everything that falls out of a secondhand book that someone brings in to donate or sell, they stick on the wall. And um, we wrote a whole bunch of songs based on those sort of things. Wow. It's it's just really beautiful to have a place you can visit. So she and I have got ton, tons out of just this one wall of stuff stuck on, stuck up there. I've, had, I've done, it's funny you say that, I've done the exact same for this new record. I have a wall in my house that just has loads of bits of paper on it and, I found it so immensely helpful, actually, just to have a sort of physical 
place to go to, it really kind of makes a difference. Mm. Um, speaking of, of Gillian Welsh, another cool thing I heard her talk about was um, how folk songs are kind of like a point of access to like a different time. Rather like yeah. a form of time travel. I, I really loved that. That's uh, amazing she said that. Yeah. I, I, I had the, the first time I saw her was in the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville. She was actually supporting my friend Darden Smith and she came on the stage dressed old-timey and she started playing and it was, at first we were like, we didn't, what's going on? And she, she's singing Orphan Girl and we, um, I, and we were looking at each other like, this isn't, what's, what's happening? And we, we, but by the end of it, she'd sort of uh she'd done her magic it was it was, it was like I've, i feel really lucky i've seen her, her at that stage i saw a jeff buckley third on the bill at the garage and some of these <clears throat> huge talents that i've seen along the way that if you see them in that environment where they're not the you know there's not the expectation or anything you're, they're just lower down on the bill mind-blowing arnie defranco was another person who blew my mind in that situation as well do you, do you have uh, do, you, do you have a, a sort of one moment like that in terms of live performance that that really stands out for you in terms of um it, it having a like i have i have a, a, a memory of watching doogie mclean yeah in sort of big tent i don't know if you've seen him play live but yeah it's him and the guitar and he was you know he had everyone in the palm of his hand he's a very sort of like seasoned performer and the songs have a real sort of deep humanity to them and I remember it kind of feeling like a, a sort of turning point for me in terms of where I wanted to to take my own music do you have well, any recollections of well, I, 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 I'm incredibly lucky to work with someone who does that so incredibly well with Eddie I've seen her change the shape of rooms and atmospheres in rooms she's although I, I'm playing on the stage next to her she's one of the best live performers I've ever seen in terms of taking risks and being in control and appearing not to be in control and and it's, it's just she's just incredible so she's one of my favorite people and I've seen her a couple of times when I've not been in the band where she's been doing other things that's it, it it's uh she she's really fantastic I some of my favorite gigs are quite strange and I can't remember his name now but uh I remember on a night off on a tour me and the keyboard player in the band went to the hole in wall, wall in Manchester, and I'll see if I can remember his name. It was just this blues guy, and there were probably about six of, of us in the audience. But the level of commitment from his performance was just so that always sticks with me. Except not his name, <laughs> but the gig. <laughs> it's just gone, John Johnny, somebody Johnny Johnny. Uh, it'll come, but but uh, there's been things like that, and there was a. Uh, there was a there was a sort of punk band I saw once uh, again lower down on a bill in America one time. Lots and lots of nights off on tour, going and seeing bands and being blown away. In Australia, a lot of times, uh, there are so many amazing bands that just play in bars in in Melbourne, which is where I met my wife, and we just go out and just see things. It's like jaw droppingly good. So yeah. very cool, very cool. Um, I wondered, um, I've been thinking a little bit about uh, failure. Well, I'm your man. As a, as a, <laughs> you come as to a the concept, right place. Just, just sort of tie, playing with it as a concept. Um, and 
sort of deconstructing it a little bit and, and looking at, and I wondered how your relationship to failure has changed over your sort of 30 plus years as a professional <laughs> songwriter. If you, yeah, it sounds really fancy saying professional songwriter. I, every day, I hope this is the day that I, I make that I write, I write the best song that I write or whatever. I, I think the fact that I've never had any particular, I know, I've had flirted with success and had, uh, projects do well and stuff but i have friends who definitely you would say they were successful i think uh in my relationship with failure is, is it just is, it, it doesn't have to keep you going you know because i really do think that i what i do is okay so it's like i'm always like right i'm gonna try again so it i i, I whereas i've got other friends who've had huge success and they're almost haunted by that one or two moments of huge success you know so um How's that for putting a positive spin on something? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I, I'm with you. Like, you know, I think if we can think about what we do is just each record as an opportunity to like hopefully slightly improve and, and try something different and yeah. see it as, a, as a, a more kind of linear progression rather than, yeah, I think it must be immensely difficult to be. Yes, when I know people have had huge success and then it's like almost like a sort of ghost in the room, you know? Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you'd like unlimited access to content like this, join my community of Patreons. I'm also really excited to let you know that you can now work with me via a new service that I'm offering called songwriting feedback sessions. This includes a monthly strategy where we have three 40-minute Zoom sessions working one-on-one on your material. If you'd like to book me for a private show or have me write a song for you, check out my website at adamholmesmusic.co.uk.